It was the 10th of March, 1914. The day was quite dull and wet with temperatures above average. A very small woman, uh, dressed in grey, um, was uh, living in her um, apartment down by 48 Doughty Street, um, where currently sits the Charles Dickens Museum, in case you did not know. Um, and um, before she left her home, she actually managed to attach a butcher's meat cleaver to the sleeve of her dress. So within her sleeve, she was carrying a meat cleaver. She had a very, um, very strong image in mind and a very strong um, idea, and that was that she was about to commit probably one of the most heinous acts that anybody can imagine um, in terms of defacing words of art. And her choice was not made in a random, and I will get to that in just a minute. Um, what she did then was to walk all the way to the um, the National Gallery. Uh, she arrived around 10 in the morning. Um, it was a Tuesday, which meant that uh, members of the public uh, could enter free um, to the museum. It was the only thing which members of the public could enter free, um, so that people that did not have any means could actually really enjoy the works of art that belonged to the nation. When she entered into the into the building, she did not go directly to um, the subject that she wanted to like, attack. She moved about from room to room in the gallery. Uh, and managed to just um, do a couple of sketches as she was walking through. And she did this for about two hours, looking for the moment, looking for the opportunity, trying to decide whether or not she wanted to do it or not. She was still in, had enough time to back away, but she was quite determined. Um, around noon time, she finally made all made her way into the, um, the room that actually contained um, this painting painting of the toilet of Venus, the Espejo de Venus, um, by Diego de Vérez, um, 17th century Baroque um, Golden Age painter in Spain. Uh, and um, while she was there, looking around, going around the, um, the room, uh, she realized that not only was there a gallery attendant in the room, but there were also two, plain, uh, two detectives in uh, plain clothes. And um, of course, they were all quite interested in uh, looking around and about to make sure that the Venus was protected. Why the government and pretty much the museum felt the need to protect this particular painting, I will discuss that in just a minute. But part um, of um, the problem was that when Mary Richardson realized that there were so many people around, and of course these detectives there, she was afraid. At that moment she decided that, well, maybe this is not such a good idea. Um, there's too many people and um, these uh, detectives are going to catch me even before I can get one blow in. Um, and therefore she just uh, basically stood around and waited. Now, around lunchtime, um, most of the people started to leave. I mean, most of them were getting hungry, after all. That also included the two detectives. One of them left to actually get some food, and the other one just sat down in the gallery, grabbed a newspaper, and basically started reading um, in the gallery where he could not actually see the work by Venus, uh, or Velasquez Venus in this case. Um, the attendant was um, aware, looking at other things, and this is the moment when uh, um, this very small woman in gray decided it is the time, you know, I was very lucky, and this is exactly what I'm going to, to do right now. She um, unpinned the um, uh, meat cleaver that she had in her, um, uh, in her <laughs> meat cleaver that she had in her, um, uh, sorry, in her sleeve, and um, very quickly she started like hatching at the glass. Um, the glass broke, 
And at that moment, she realized that maybe they're going to know that it's me. And at this point, you know, the glass hat has not allowed me to give any more blows. But unfortunately, or fortunately for her, um, the plaintiff's detective that was in the room, instead of looking at where she was, he started looking up. Um, there had been some work being done that day on the skylights. And he thought that for whatever reason, maybe there was a problem with the, with the glass. And he was just walking about, looking up, not realizing that this very tiny woman had a meat cleaver and started hatching crazily, you know, at this painting seven times. And you can see exactly the points where she cracked the glass and then the points where she just started using that meat cleaver. As she was frantically like hacking at this painting, two uh, tourists threw their guidebooks at her, trying to stop her. Um, the attendant finally realized that something was wrong. And as he tried to rush to stop her, he slipped in the floor that had been recently um, <laughs> been cleaned, like spotless, and it was quite slippery. <laughs> Falling on top of the glass that um, you know were was already like filled the floor, and um, and still it allowed her to hack even further and further and further against the the, the painting. Finally. Um, the detective uh, figured out what was going on, managed to, to get to her, grab her. She did not actually resist. Um, once they actually managed to grab her, she just um, allowed for the, the, the butcher's knife to just fall on the ground. She just gave up on the attempt, but she had already accomplished the deed. Basically, she had had one of the most famous paintings in England at that time. Um, so not only had she had um, that, but as she was leaving, she basically says, I am a suffragette. You can get another picture, but you cannot get a life, as they are killing this terrorist. And I will get back to this very quickly as well. The, um, the whole point is that as they were taking her out into the basement, where she spent two hours before the constabulary could come and take her into um, custody, she was just, as she was walking around, repeating this over and over and over and over to the people that were around that wanted to listen. Now, she wasn't screaming it. She was just very calmly, which in a way is quite terrifying. You know, that someone that has committed such, you know, aggressive action did not run away and just stood there, waited, and just started to just mumble this over and over and over. This is all the signs of someone that might not be right in the head. At least some people will think so. Um, and this is what we're going to try to discover in a way, whether or not she was right on the head or not. But um, the results of this attack meant that um, the museum was closed, no worries. The museum was closed for two weeks. And because the rest of the galleries and museums and heritage sites thought that they were going to be also the object of um, these attacks, then um, they also closed down, which pretty much meant that absolutely no one, no tourist, no, um, no person interested that wanted to go and see art, no art students were allowed into any of the museums for two weeks. Um, creating quite a, a stir and quite an outrage um, because of what this very tiny woman had actually done to the Rocky Bivinos. Now, the question that we want to ask is why, what made Mary Richardson actually take this course of action? Because obviously this very tiny woman was Mary Richardson, um, then they gave it to her. Um, so why did she feel the need of um, premeditating such an attack on a painting that was extremely famous, um, actually getting there, committing the deed, and then just leaving. And everything that she left in her wake was chaos and outrage and people 
really, really, really upset. What did she accomplish, if she accomplished anything at all? Um, we will be answering these questions um, throughout my presentation. So, um, Mary Richardson was actually a woman from Canadian origin. Um, she wasn't British. Um, she flew from Canada. She was an ex-art student, also a journalist. Um, and when she arrived to England, um, she got really interested in the fight of women for, um, for the vote. Uh, not only that, um, she has claimed in several occasions that she was present during Black Friday um, on the um, 18th of November 1910, which was the day when the, the Women's March actually went to Parliament and they were met with violence um, of not just physical but also sexual violence. Um, and this pretty much gave her such a um, such a strong opposition to what was going on in the government that the first thing that she did was to basically join the Women's Social and Political Union right after that. It's just, it took her that much um, to get there. Uh, now, the Women's Social and Political Union was uh, pretty much founded by the Pankhursts. Um, and they actually had a very, um, a very strict agenda. Their idea was deeds, not words. This was their motto. They wanted to make sure that, you know, the government was beyond listening. They were not going to pay attention to what women wanted. They were not going to pay attention to words. They were, it was time to take action. And the type of action that they were looking at was very well determined that they just wanted publicity. And how they were going to gain this publicity was part of um, the whole agenda behind the WS. PU. And um, in this case, they did um, this um, kind of like campaign of um, aggression um, through three different methods. The first one through irritation, sending letters to the MPs, um, just basically going into meetings, spitting at the politicians, uh, at the police, uh, just being an annoyance, chaining themselves, you know, to the front doors of like political uh, parties' um, headquarters. Anything you could imagine that would be very irritating, they did it. Um, the second part was damage of things that men enjoyed. And I really like this because it wasn't about like things that people enjoyed. No, the things that men enjoyed, they had this as one of their um, most important kind of like um, I, um, actions. And of course, damage of things that men enjoyed included not just works of art, but obviously things like um, a cricket. Um, um, <laughs> Yeah, they, they pretty much destroyed a cricket um, stadium. They also destroyed like um, bowling greens. Um, they destroyed also uh, they, a church. There were like a lot of different things that they started to destroy. There was this concept of like damaging properties and damaging the things that people like. And of course, in comes something just throws herself in front of the king's horse at the derby. You know, hey, you can't get any more like militant than that. You know, throwing yourself in. And dying for it. Um, but definitely that was one of the things that was in their mind. And of course, damage is part of property. And this is definitely gets to the point where, you know, a lot of private property was burnt. Train stations, um, houses um, that were empty. Um, some fish castles were burnt down to the ground. Um, so any of these three things were the ways in which they were trying to achieve this publicity. And the problem with these uh, militant tactics, the problem with this kind of like aggression is that it was escalating all the time. And the reasons behind that is because very quickly it was all news. So if you actually do something and two days later they're worried about something else, then you have to do something bigger, something greater. So there is an escalation of, of this aggression against um, irritation, damage of things that men enjoy, damage of private property. And of course the worst of this, um, this escalation of militant attacks was between 1912 and 1914. One of the things that the WSPU had 
as part of their agenda was, of course, this one. And it's a very important rule, never to endanger human life. Well, in some cases, we have to admit that they got pretty close to endangering human lives. And one of the interesting things about this is that the final kind of like, the end point of this escalation of violence um, against property will end up, if it had been continued, with the um, violence against people. I mean, it is the last kind of like um, point in that direction. You actually have to get, you increase all of these attacks and the last one will definitely be finally killing someone um, to make your point. Uh, and in many cases, I, and I kind of emphasize these two things because that's exactly uh, one of the things that um, Mary Chisholm kind of accomplishes with um, her attack um, in this way. So um, let me just get there very quickly. So just to give you some background, the, um, the attack on the, on the rocket by Venus was not the first attack that actually happened to work so far. It happened going on since 1913, and the first big one was, of course, the attack that happened at Manchester Art Gallery, when 13 paintings were defaced. Most of them were pro-Raphaelites, um, but in this case, they were just completely destroyed, and they were chosen for their value. So they were now going um, against works of art that were expensive. And this is exactly what they wanted to do, just damage things that were expensive. Um, everything about it, you can actually see all the different um, times in which um, this, the, the suffragettes really went and really hurt. The Carnegie Library in Birmingham was burned out to the ground. 1,500, uh, 15,000 tombs were like, were also destroyed. Um, another painting by George Romney was also destroyed in the art gallery. But Francesco Bartolozzi's drawing of the, uh, the direct gallery was it doesn't exist anymore. There were five Bellinis damaged in the National Gallery at the same time. And um, of course, later damage of Maria's Thomas um, Carlyle portrait in, um, in the National Portrait Gallery. So all of these attacks happened constantly between 1913 and 1914. There were about 140 attacks to the cultural heritage um, from the seven first months of 1914. So you have to imagine the escalation of these attacks against all of these different works of art happening constantly. Um, and of course, by now, pretty much everybody uh, in the cultural heritage sector pretty much knew that these attacks were actually going to happen. Um, and so we actually have New School and Jar sending out warnings to a lot of different galleries and museums and heritage sites, pretty much letting people know, hey, um, the suffragettes are on the warpath and um, they have targeted museums, galleries, cultural centers, and um, you should look out for them. And who do you should, you should look out for? For all of this. They managed to get pictures of um, a lot of the suffragettes that were the most militant, that were the most aggressive, that took the most action, and they number them you know, from one to um, 18. Um, Mary Richardson is number 11, and what they knew about Mary Richardson at that time was that she that was born in 1883, she was five foot and a half, so a very short woman, um, and that she was already committed for um, arson. She was quite militant in um, her desire to help the cause, and um, she apparently burned down the station. Um, so there was a lot of things that she had already done prior to the moment when she decided that, <coughs> sorry, that she was going to, um, to take the next step, the next action. Um, so of course, with this in mind, you have to take into consideration that all of these different uh, attacks were done, um, and each one of them more difficult in, in a sense, because they were already forewarned. And of course, Mayor Richardson will not have actually um, attacked the Rocky by Venus if 
all of those different circumstances that gave her the opening had not happened. If those two plain police officers had been there and were aware, she would never have had a chance to attack that painting. And then she would have had to choose another one. But she, this was premeditated. It was that particular painting that she wanted, not another one. Yes? Sorry, so the, you happen to know when the five, so were the five Bellinis mm -hmm. damaged on the same day? And if so, mm -hmm. how? They were not damaged on the same day. And were they before the Rokeby? They were after the Rokeby. After the Rokeby? Yes. Still, I mean, okay. I know, right? <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's, it's a very good question because it's true, they were after the Rokeby. What were they doing, the people at the National Gallery? <laughs> you can't control that many people. Actually, there was um, the, um, trying to, not to get too off topic, but um, the, the, the museum officials were yeah. more interested in, in just protecting most of their works of art and what they used to do was to put just a glass they just added their glass in front of the paintings just yeah. to protect them um, but you can't control all the people that go into the national gallery yeah. you know as much as you want and they did not think that Bellini was going to be particularly attacked again they attacked Bellini because of the actual value but not for any other particular reasons yeah um, why I mean yeah. I know Bellini the same thing I mean have you ever heard of any of all, the, of all these paintings of all these other attacks I mean, I, I had heard of the Carnegie. The Carnegie. Yeah. But the other but paintings, the no. But have, before you came here, have you ever heard before the attack on the Roque by Venus? Yes. yes. Some of you might, some of you may, may not. But um, it's interesting because the one that says yes is because, you know, there's something about that painting that actually makes people think about it in a different kind of way. And the way that it was actually seen in that period was also <laughs> different. And this is the reason why it has stayed with us for so long. This, um, this iconoclasm um, has stayed with us for so long. So um, just to give you a little bit of uh, background on why this painting, why did they, why Mary Richardson was fixated on this painting alone? I mean, I'm pretty sure that at one point, if she had not managed, sorry, <coughs> if she had not managed to actually get um, to the Rock by Venus, he, she would have tried anything else, um, just out of spite. You know, for not being able to get to this one, she would have attacked anything else. The same way, for example, that um, Anne Hunt attacked the Carlyle portrait. She did it just because it was the one that was there at that moment and it was chosen at random. You know, it was just the fact of attacking the arts, that's the only thing that she was interested in. Um, and this happened in the National Portrait Gallery. Just like two months later, again, you know, you would have think that they would have learned. Well, no, apparently, you know, you cannot do anything against a very determined person that wants to go inside um, a building and actually destroy something in that building. You know, this is something that we have learned the hard way, many, many, many occasions. Um, so, why the Rock of Venus? Um, there's a lot of different reasons why at that time in history, the Rock of Venus was especially important. First of all, it was done by uh, the Spaniard Diego Velázquez. Now, this is the only nudie his ugra. So there is no other painting that Diego Velázquez did of a naked, kind of like, nude woman. So this was particularly, specifically, very, very important um, work of art within um, the work of a very recognized Spanish artist from the golden, uh, from the golden era of Spanish art. Then, of course, uh, it was brought uh, to England by the Duke of Wellington in 1806. 
Um, but it was but for Joe Morit, who um, was from Rocky by Hong Yorkshire, and he was the one that wanted it. He was the one that paid, I think it was 100 pounds for the painting originally. And um, he kept it within the family for 100 years. It basically hung very high in, the, in, in his um, study, so that if the ladies came, they could avert the gates and not see the amazing Rocky <laughs> by Goodness. But if men came and wanted to just look up and see her derriere, it was there. So um, we actually have uh, pictures of where the Rocky by Goodness was located in uh, Rocky by Hall. So um, it's, it's incredible. Um, but then, of course, the family went through some financial uh, difficulties and they decided to um, sell the painting in 1905 to a couple of dealers here in London uh, who in turn sold it to the new National Arts Collection Trust. This is a very important thing. The National Arts Collection Trust was also founded by a suffragette. And this was um, uh, a trust that was created for um, to raise funds, to raise money from the people in England this was by subscription to have enough money to purchase works of art that would be, um, you know, incorporated into the national collection, um, and therefore they actually bought the work of Venus for forty-five thousand pounds. So this has been bought with the money of all of those subscribers who were, you know. Brits, men and women that pay money, including King Edward VII, who loved it and wanted that painting to belong to England, and therefore paid eight thousand pounds, you know, to help um, raise the funds for it. So that was very important. And then, of course, these appear prominently in the news throughout the moment that this painting was, um, you know, trying to be purchased by the government. They decided um, that it was you know, the news. So the Times described perhaps the finest painting in the nude in the world. And also the Times also described it as a picture which is in perfect condition. It's neither idealistic nor passionate, but absolutely natural and absolutely pure. We may indeed echo the words of an eminent critic and say that she is the goddess of youth and health, the embodiment of elastic strength and vitality, with the perfection of womanhood of the moment when it passes from the dot to the flower. I mean, it is the most important painting in the history of uh, England at that time because of how aware people were of this painting throughout the period. And this is what you actually get, um, being very much aware of that. So what happened was that um, when the painting was hacked, the news basically went in for it and um, started describing Mary Richardson as a white woman, um, being in a wild frenzy, hacking furiously, raining blows. They nicknamed her Slash, Slash Mary, Reaper, the Slasher. So she had all these different nicknames. They were actually building her up to be this kind of like murderer. Remember that I mentioned that last attack, you know, the, the last section that you do in violence is actually to kill someone. This is the closest one that they got. So at that point, of course, um, it also helped that when they described the actual damage to the painting, they described it in terms of cruel wound in the neck and cuts across the shoulders and the back. They were not thinking of the painting as a flat surface. They were thinking of the painting as that of an actual woman. And that this aggression was done from a woman that was in a well frenzy to another woman who was basically the embodiment of physical beauty and of... Um, of health and uh, the ideal of woman uh, in that period, of course. And then, of course, in the statement, they were actually talking about the fact that that piece back on the top, they call it a bruise. You can bruise a canvas. You can bruise a skin. You can bruise uh, a piece of fruit. But you can't bruise a canvas. And that's exactly what they did. So if you start looking at all of the different types of, um, of vocabularies that, that were coming out in the, in, in the press after the attack, you're going to see, for example, you know, um, the slash Venus. Um, increasingly, the painting became a person, and Venus did not 
it was not actually the title of the painting, but the name of the person that Mary Richardson actually attacked. So you have all these different things, and this is my favorite. This actually, and I'm gonna move to the other side so you can see it better, but that there looks like the tabloid for a murder magazine. I mean, you have the painting, the perpetrator, you have the police investigating, you have a picture of the murder weapon, you have everything there that pretty much tells you that this was indeed a murder. Let's forget about the fact that this is a painting, but what she had done was not just hack at the painting, and of course, in some cases, they just drew the lines because they didn't have actual photographs of what happened to, to the painting, but they drew the lines and they reminded people, hey, this is what happened, this is what she did. She attacked the painting with precisely that um, type of, um, of hatchet, and um, the way that they were kind of like envisioned throughout the whole period was that she was a mad assailant and that she was the decorous victim. Again, we're talking about a canvas, a painting, but she's a victim and she's a mad assailant. But she's a deviant. She does not prescribe to the um, set of uh, feminine values of the period, but she is the patriarchal ideal. So we have here like all of the language, everything that they actually presented in the, in the news um, basically uh, was to show how the militant suffragists were a different kind of, um, of women. They were the hysterical ones. Um, they were suffering from mental diseases. Um, it had to do with you know, their lack of femininity. And then Leah Richardson goes on and she attacks precisely a painting that not only is the most famous painting in that time period, not only has it been bought by all of the Brits, not only has it been um, you know, demonstrating that this is the most perfect nude in existence in that time period, um, but it is the, the, the idea of, you know, the patriarchal idea of womanhood at the same time. Um, and of course, one of the problems that, okay, why don't you work? Okay, there we go. And then, of course, that's how she was presented. And this is the part that I am very, very interested in, almost done, I swear. Um, and this is, what was her narrative? Why did she think that um, the, the Rocky by Venus was her choice? And I love it because at the beginning, she basically started to stating, again, the whole purpose that she did this because, of course, the government was killing Mrs. Pankhurst. I mean, they had arrested her the night before she actually went to the National Gallery. So she was protesting, in fact, that you know she had been arrested. Um, and of course, that uh, the government destroyed Mrs. Pankhurst, who is the most beautiful cat in modern history. But she wanted to destroy the picture of the most beautiful woman in mythological history as protest. But then she started saying that, it was highly priced for its worth in cash. So she acknowledged the value artistic, the artistic value. She also acknowledged the uh, monetary value. And I love this second part. Um, this is uh, a little bit later in life when she had some interviews with the BBC. And she started talking about, um, you know, if I cut up a lady, I mean, even the vocabulary that she uses when she describes the attack, it's, it's personalized. It's making that the Venus is actually a person. It's not actually, you know, um, a painting. And then um, here, that distraction gave me the time needed for, chop, for, for my chopper to slice the Venus. Doesn't say the painting. She actually says Venus. 
Again, this idea that finally the, the militant suffragists have actually been able to go the extra mile and finally commit that murder that everybody was kind of expecting was going to come because they're going higher and higher and higher. And then, this is my favorite, I do not like the way male visitors to the gallery gave at it all day long. <laughs> there is something in the nude, in that particular nude, you know, that like really tick her off because of that difference in femininity and how they were, you know, connected. Did they accomplish anything? Actually, no. <laughs> Let's be honest, no. I mean, this is the last one actually asking for suffragists to stop actually destroying works of art because, you know, if they don't know what they're doing, they can destroy something that is actually good. We love you, but please stop destroying works of art. Um, the problem with all of these attacks is that the act itself became the focus. I mean, have I been talking about the suffrage in all this period? Have I even mentioned, you know, the, the desire for the women's votes? No, because all of the news, all of the sensation, everything had to do with that moment uh, of the attack, of, you know, personifying this painting as a person, of the murder, of the sensation. That is what matters. That's what it was in their minds. So attacking this painting, the only thing that it did was enrage people against the suffragists because they destroyed something that belonged to the nation, to men and women. This put a lot of women off. They did not want to join the WSPU. They joined the non-militant factions of the women suffragists. So that's pretty much one of the things that they did. So even the government could not actually accept this. Why? Because you know, if you give in to violence, then you're seen as weak. You don't give in to terrorists. And there were one step of becoming terrorists if they actually have finally finished that last step of actually killing someone. And this is the closest thing that they got to, you know. Mary Richardson and the Rock of Venus. I will leave it here. Thank you very much for your attention.